Hello and welcome back to the Going Dutch podcast, a look back at the wonderful world of German football brought to you by The Guardian reading Tofu Eating Wokavati. So, obviously I make no secret of the fact that I record these podcasts in the UK and that I'm British and it has sure been an interesting week. Normally I say, well it's been an interesting week in German football, but oh boy, has it been an interesting week in British politics? And obviously I'm not going to go into it because that's not what this podcast is about. Um, this is actually, you know, my distraction from that sort of stuff. But <laughs> it's it's been an interesting week. I decided I was going to open with that sort of Wokavati reference yesterday. And sat here recording this on Thursday evening. Oh boy, how much has the world changed <laughs> since since that decision? Since the Freiburg St. Pauli kickoff, and particularly since like you know the early window on Tuesday started, the world has changed rather drastically. Or at least the UK has changed rather drastically. I don't want to pretend this has a massive impact on everyone else, is just the United Kingdom after all but yeah it's been it's been a bit weird then again the whole last few months have been a complete car crash for the UK so it's just more of that I guess and it could get even worse <sighs> so let's quickly distract ourselves with the joys of the DFB Pacal most well to some extent the joys to be honest after saying I was going to do a bonus podcast about the DFB Pacal this week. I was sat there watching some of the fixtures and watching the results coming and going. I really shouldn't have said that because I'll be honest, it wasn't the best round of Pokal football. And for me, there was only really one upset. And I know you might be thinking about another game, but one of the games where we saw what we would consider an upset had quite a lot of controversy that for me takes away from the upset factor but we'll talk about it later on and there is a lot of other stuff to talk about of course including a major managerial firing so we'll get into that as well anyway welcome to the show today i hope you're doing well i hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash v sports blitz to find a way you can play this podcast you can also play it there or you can keep doing what you're doing because you're currently playing a podcast at the moment and remember to go to the sports blitz website for writing about the world of sports Anyway, before this podcast runs the risk of being longer than Liz Truss's time as Prime Minister was, let's go into the DFB Pakal. And let's start off with the one actual proper upset in this round. Darmstadt 2, Borussia Mönchengladbach 1. Mönchengladbach were obviously never going to underestimate this Darmstadt side who had just gone to the top of the Zweite Bundesliga. Mönchengladbach have been playing well in the Bundesliga so far this season, but obviously with the Magic of the Cup and with how well Darmstadt have been playing a tier below, this was always going to be a tough game. And of course, it got tougher for Borussia Mönchengladbach early on when Jan Sommer was forced off with an injury. He landed very awkwardly on his foot, rolled his ankle and was clearly not fit to continue. And shortly after that, while Jan Sommer probably wouldn't have been able to do much about Darmstadt's first goal when they took the lead, Philipp Tietz, the Mönchengladbach defence essentially got themselves into a position where they allowed Darmstadt to be three on one and the one being the keeper. 
and such a sort of failure to defend, Darmstadt's passing was fairly simple but very effective, meant that Gladbach were almost inevitably going to concede from that. It would have taken a bad striker to miss a chance like the one Philipp Tietz had. And if you've been watching this fight in Bundesliga this season, you'll know that Philipp Tietz isn't a bad striker. He essentially was able to pick whichever corner he wanted to go into. He had the ball played to him right in front of the keeper and looked up, took his time and converted very well for that 1-0 lead. Gladbach were probably the better of the two sides after that through the rest of the first half and probably should have been level going into the break. There was one chance, particularly for Marcus Taram, which was golden and he missed it. He rounded the keeper and only had a defender sort of standing on the line hoping for the best between him and a goal and yet he fired it straight at the defender's legs he cleared and Darmstadt got away with one it was shocking to see a player like Marcus Tram particularly Marcus Tram because he's been in such good form miss a chance like that but Darmstadt went into the half-time break, 1-0 up. Daniel Farker made some changes at the start of the second half. They worked immediately because just two minutes in, Borussia Mönchengladbach would be level. Very quick attack. Ended with Luka Nets slotting well into the bottom corner. It's his first goal for Borussia Mönchengladbach since joining from Hertha Berlin. But kind of like with the Darmstadt goal in the first half... The side who had conceded immediately became the better side after the goal. That was true for Darmstadt, who, to be honest, really took control of the game after Borussia Mönchengladbach had got level. And it's hard to really diagnose why, outside of just saying that Darmstadt are actually quite a good side. I would feel sort of... Like, the narrative would sort of be like, oh, well, Gladbach sort of put their foot off the gas a bit when they scored the equaliser, because it was like, okay, we've got back... This game's under control, we can coast from here to a victory. But I don't I don't think that was true, to be honest. I think it was more that Darmstadt are just a really good side. Having watched them in this fight this year, they've been absolutely exceptional. They're top of the league for a reason. And they made their quality show in this game. They brought on Aaron Seidel late into the second half and he's been fantastic for them a real threat in the past and he made Borussia Mönchengladbach pay as he would score the winning goal to take Darmstadt through to the third round of the DFB Pokal he took the ball just outside the box was able to outmuscle Nika Alvedi and slotted into the bottom corner nothing the keeper could have done about that and it was an exceptional finish from Seidel and an exceptional performance from Darmstadt they were just the better side in this game, ultimately. For the most part, they were the better of the two sides to me. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, it's not even that much of a criticism against them. I mean, obviously, they should have been winning this game with the amount of talent they've got and how well they've been doing in the league this season. This should have been a Gladbach win. But at the same time, Darmstadt just played really, really well. And credit to them. I'm really excited to see where this Darmstadt side go next. Obviously, that's more of a general point as opposed to, you know, about the DFB Pakal in particular. Because surely, after years of getting better, year on year on year, this could be their time. They've shown they can play against Bundesliga-level opponents. And now all they need to do is put the finishing touches together. Well, I say finishing touches. We've still, like, got two-thirds of the season to go. 
But they sort of showed that if they can get there, then they will be able to play quite well in the Bundesliga. And I do hope to see that happen because they have been such an entertaining side of this fight and they do deserve their place in the Bundesliga. So thank you, Darmstadt, because to be honest, like I said in the intro, with a small caveat, this was the only upset of the round for me. Stuttgart kickers nil, Eintracht Frankfurt 2. I want to talk about the smaller teams that we don't normally get to talk about in this podcast episode before we move on to some of the other games that probably merit more conversation. Eintracht Frankfurt actually didn't start off the game particularly well. The Stuttgart kickers had been the better side through the opening minutes. Obviously, they beat uh, Greuther Firth in the first round. And now they're putting in a really good performance against Eintracht Frankfurt. But unfortunately for them, in the 11th minute, they would go 1-0 down. Rafael Bova with a really good sort of lob to Randall Colomwani, who sort of like chipped the keeper, put it into the roof of the net. It was a really good piece of play from both Bove and Colomwani. And it shows the difference between these two sides in terms of quality, because obviously... The Stuttgart kickers are in the fifth tier and Eintracht Frankfurt obviously in the Bundesliga. And that sort of difference in quality showed in this one moment. But to be honest, for the most part, if you had asked which side were, you know, the side of four tiers above the other, you wouldn't have been able to tell because the Stuttgart kickers did perform really well in this game. Unfortunately, they would go 2-0 down in the 17th minute when, and I apologise because I'm going to get this name wrong, Havodjay Smolcic was able to head in a Mario Goethe corner. But apart from that, credit to the Stuttgart kickers because they played really well. They could have probably got a goal back after that. And if they had got one, then it would have been a really interesting game. But they still deserve a lot of credit for putting in a really good performance against Eintracht Frankfurt in this game. Fourth tier, Lübeck, meanwhile, did not put in as good a performance against Mainz. They lost 3-0. To be honest, obviously, you expect this sort of result. There was one sort of comical moment for, I believe, the second goal where the keeper rushed out to try and clear a ball outside of his box. Uh, the defender was running to try and make sure Marcus Inbox and didn't get on the end of it. And they ran into each other. And the ball rolled idly past them and allowed Marcus Inbox to score what must be the easiest goal of his entire career. Apart from that, I believe the players were taken off at one point as well because of flares from the Lubeck fans. But... This game was always only going to go one way. Barcock at the end, by the way, with a nice little chip to make it 3-0 in the 88th minute. A dominant performance all round from Mines. They had an easier game than Bochum did against third-tier dominant machine Alversberg. In what has to be the upset of round, Alversberg actually lost a game of football for a change. So, I didn't see that coming, to be honest. Anyway, the only goal of the game came in the 85th minute for Bochum and it was a looping header that was spilt by the keeper straight into the path of Anthony Lucia. Or at least I think that's what happened. I don't know if you've seen the highlights, but oh boy, did it get very foggy in the second half of that game. We're not quite reaching fog bowl levels of foggy. That's the second podcast in a row in which I've mentioned the Fog Bowl, which is an NFL game from the 1980s. So, you know, what sort of references you're going to get on this podcast. But obviously, 
Alversberg have deserved a lot of praise this year for how they've handled themselves in the Dritte League and, of course, in their famous upset early on in the season in the Pokal against Bayer Leverkusen. But this just, it was not the game for them. Thomas Lech, credit to him, because this could have been an absolute nightmare for Bochum, just like it was for Bayer Leverkusen back in August. But they managed to prevent that. And it wasn't all the responsibility of the fog. It was slightly the responsibility of the fog, but it wasn't all the responsibility of the fog. Anyway, another third tier side would lose by the same scoreline, but two ace fighter Bundesliga side, Waldhof Mannheim nil, Nuremberg won. Nuremberg should have had a penalty in the first half of this game when one of the Mannheim players, as he was falling over, completely wiped out a Nuremberg player. But luckily for Marcus Weinstein and company, it would not matter in the end. Gerrit Golker putting it into his own net in the 62nd minute. Well, off Mannheim did have a couple of good chances after that, but were never able to convert any of them, as you can tell by the scoreline. By the way, I should say, I forgot to watch highlights of this game before talking about it on here, so I paused for podcast after recording the Alversberg section to look at the highlights and I have just realised that when I described fog in the Alversberg game it might have been just all of the flares in the universe which obviously is quite a common thing in German football definitely more than it is in English football and yeah when I saw the flares created the same sort of environment at the Mannheim Nuremberg game I was like ah maybe it was that maybe it wasn't another freak weather event so, full disclosure, it might not have been fog at Alversberg, it might have been flares instead. <laughs> Moving on, Hanover nil, Borussia Dortmund 2. The first goal for Dortmund was an own goal. Uh, Makoko shooting from a narrow angle, deflected in by one of the Hanover defenders, which I believe was a bright array MB. And the game didn't get much better for Hanover after that. Jude Bellingham would convert a penalty in the second half. By the way, I know, obviously, we shouldn't characterise footballers based on nationality, but there is just something funny about an Englishman being asked to take a penalty for a German team in Germany. There's just something weird about that. As somebody who's seen many English national team disappointments in the past... It wasn't actually the best penalty either because the goalkeeper did get a hand to it. But luckily for Bellingham, it did go in and Dortmund would run down the clock for the win in the end. But to be honest, this was not a convincing performance from Borussia Dortmund. It is also worth mentioning, I did forget to mention, uh, Kareem Adeyemi sent off in the 85th minute for just a moment of complete madness. I don't know what he was attempting to do, but he kind of just shoved over one of the Hanover attackers. And it was going to be a straight red card every day because he was the last man who was outside the box as well. So no double jeopardy coming into effect anyway. But this was not a convincing performance from Borussia Dortmund. It says a lot when your man of the match is your goalkeeper, Gregor Kerbel, who did recover after his game against Union Berlin at the weekend, we'll say wasn't ideal. He did recover and he had a really good game and made a few really good saves. But when your man of the match is your goalkeeper in a game against lower-tier opponents, that doesn't say a lot good. And it continues what we've been saying for quite a long time about Borussia Dortmund, about them being able to get wins, but not convincingly. It's hard to remember a win this year for Borussia Dortmund that was actually a convincing win. And at some point, 
we have to move away from the whole good teams win ugly and just focus on the fact that they can only win ugly, which implies that the team are drastically overperforming and are due for regression. So I am still ultra concerned about Erdin Turgis. I know I sort of go back and forth on this because it's easy to sort of buy into the hype when you have a good performance against Schalke and Revere Derby and then you get a point against Bayern Munich in such dramatic circumstances. But again, we've just sort of slipped back into looking at Dortmund as a whole and as a whole so far this season, they have been really unimpressive and... By the way, this was only like their third win in nine games, which also points to a lot of problems, obviously. And for once, I thought, well, we might have the chance to see a convincing performance from Borussia Dortmund, even if, you know, Stefan Leitl and Hanover have been playing really well in this fight this year, but we didn't get that, and Dortmund fans still have a lot to be concerned about. They're still doing better than their local rivals. So Hoffenheim 5, Schalke 1. This was pure domination from Hoffenheim from beginning to end. They had a few really good goals in this game. The second goal, Angelino shooting from long range. The third one as well for Munus de Boer. It was a really good finish, but the defending should have been a lot better. And that's the case as well for the rest of the goals. You looked at Schalke in this game and they had absolutely no semblance of what to do at the back. They didn't seem to have an idea. And to be honest, they just looked like they were about three leagues below their opponents. Their, their defending was bordering on amateur at points. Hoffenheim went 5-0 up before Schalke scored that one goal they got through Dominic Drexler, so well done to him. But this was sheer domination from beginning to end for Hoffenheim. The worst part was Frank Kramer speaking in the post-game interview said he was absolutely speechless and had, you know, he couldn't understand what had happened. And that was obviously concerning because this wasn't a result that came out of the blue. This wasn't just like a wild sort of game that doesn't follow from how the team are doing outside of that one game. This is very much who Schalke have been all through this season. Of course, they lost 3-0 to Hoffenheim at the weekend. It was a very poor performance from Schalke. And then they somehow managed to top it. It gets even worse in a completely catastrophic 5-1 defeat. And like I said, there was nothing going forward, nothing at the back. They put in one of the worst performances I've seen from a Schalke side in a very long time, including... The 2020-21 season, which, as Schalke fans will remember, was simply wonderful. While Frank Kramer didn't have answers, but the Schalke board did because they decided to fire him after this game. Of course, at the weekend, it was expected that he would be given at least two more games to save his job. But after how bad that performance was against Hoffenheim, it's hardly a surprise that the Schalke board have decided to move on. Of course, at the moment, we don't know who's going to be taking the job in his place. They have brought in an interim manager to take the game at the weekend, but long-term, you know, the sort of normal names are being sprung up with the job. Uh, Bruno Labbadia, in particular, I believe Domenico Tedesco might have been linked with the return. But whoever they hire, it's hard to see them being worse than Frank Kramer because he just could not get anything out of that side. They've been abysmal all season and this was definitely the correct move to move on speaking of completely terrible Stuttgart 6 Armenia Biela fouled nil I mean I know there's a league between these two sides but Jesus Christ I think we can now say that 
well, we've already said it, but the starts of a season with Armini Bielefeld have had is not a blip. And I saw quite a few Bielefeld fans on Twitter just going, I give up with this team. I don't know where they're going to go from here. I do, at the moment, down. And I understand because... For those who may tune out once the Bundesliga segment of this podcast is done, I, you know, I don't look at the analytics, but I assume there'll be some people who, you know, they listen to the Bundesliga part and then go, I don't really care about the lower league, so I'm, I'm not going to listen. And if that's you, fair enough. But just for those people, Armenia Bielefeld have had a truly terrible start to the season. They had to sack their manager after four games, bring in a new one, and it's not particularly got better for them. And this... Even though it's against the Bundesliga side, and so you expect it to be tougher, this was the lowest of the low, because the first goal from Pascal Stenzel was a really good finish. He he put it into the top corner from way outside the box. That was good for the rest of the goals that Armini Bielefeld conceded. Oh my god, the defending was the worst it was in the Pokal this round. And may I remind you, there were 50-tier sides in the Pokal in this round. There were 4th-tier sides and 3rd-tier sides. All of them did significantly better than Armenia Bielefeld. To be honest, even Schalke's defending was better than Armenia Bielefeld's. And Schalke didn't look like they even had a plan. Neither did Armenia Bielefeld, to be honest. Wataru Endo put Stuttgart 2-0 up in the 24th minute. A header in the middle of the box, he was completely wide open. I could have scored that. Luca Pfeiffer made it 3-0 in the 28th minute. A volley wide open right in front of the keeper. It's shocking that a fighter Bundesliga defence could give a striker that much space right in front of the keeper. Because as soon as the ball was crossed in, the... Defenders for Armini Bielefeld sort of just turned into statues and just like stood there for a bit and that allowed Fife to be absolutely wide open. He played in the Spider last year for Darmstadt. I can almost guarantee he didn't have a chance in the Spider last season that was as easy as that. Silas would score the fourth goal, by the way, and this was a more impressive volley straight into the ground, bouncing over the keeper. But he was, again, completely wide open in the middle of the... Well, not in the middle of the box, but, like, in the box. He was completely wide open. And, like, how do you... How do you get that bad if you're a professional footballer? Like, the Armenia Bielefeld players themselves are talented enough to be playing at the Sveita Bundesliga level. Some of them were impressive enough to be in the Bundesliga last year. And yet, they can't defend for Toffee. That was half-time. It obviously slightly got better in the second half because they only lost 2-0 in the second half. So, you know, well done, Ben. Luke Five for getting his second of the game in the 52nd minute. Completely wide open again in the box. Managed to nutmeg the keeper. So, woo! Great for... Armenia Bielefeld, and then Seo Garassi finished off the scoring in the 67th minute. After that, Stuttgart obviously could take their foot off the gas because, you know, the sixth goal is the real insurance goal. It was more of the same as well. The defending was terrible throughout. To be honest, this could have been 7, 8 or 9 and no one would have been able to bat an eyelid at that because Armenia Bielefeld's defending was just so terrible. And of course, give credit to Stuttgart. They did win 6-0 at the end of the day. And in Michael Wimmer, in the two games he's taken charge, his Stuttgart side have scored 10 goals. That's 
quite a good return if you're not used to how many goals football teams often score. So Stuttgart played really well and they were clinical with their chances. You know, you look at like Borna Sosa who, you know, put in perfect crosses every single time. This is what we expect from the left back. Luca Pfeiffer having a great game. Sealers having a great game as well. Pretty much all of their players had a great game. They won 6-0. The only player who didn't really have a great game was probably the keeper Fabian Bredlow, who I cannot remember doing anything in the entire game. He probably did, but I didn't notice it, and I don't think it really would have mattered even if he'd just not been there, to be perfectly honest. So, Stuttgart obviously continue through to the next round. There's not much to analyse from them. This was a very good game. Those who were in attendance will have been very happy to have been able to watch that sort of attacking masterclass. But this was more about Armenia Bielefeld just having no ability to defend. And even though he came in in the middle of the season with a very bad Armenia Bielefeld side, you've got to think that Daniel Schoening see it started to get hot already because this Bielefeld side at the moment just look absolutely hopeless. Anyway, moving on to some of the other games then. Eintracht Braunschweig won Wolfsburg 2. Oh, it so looked like there could have been a potential upset in this. It's a lower Saxony derby, apparently. Wolfsburg did take the lead in the 8th minute. At that point, it sort of looked like it was going to be a one-way affair. Matthias Fenberg scoring that through the keeper's legs, uh, deflecting off one of them to go in. But... Braunschweig, who have been getting better in the Spider Bundesliga as the season has gone on, start to build into this game as well. They would level in the 40th minute. Uh, Cohen Castells was completely caught in no man's land and Maurice Multaup was able to chip over him as a result. So it was a very close affair for the most part after that. But one moment of brilliance from Wolfsburg would give them the win in the 65th minute. It was absolute liquid football, one-touch passes, there was nothing Braunschweig could have done as Jacob Kaminsky was able to finish. But to be honest, Braunschweig looked like Wolfsburg's equal in this game. They looked like a side who could have got something out of this. And they could have got something out of this. So credit to them, a good performance. And potentially that sort of performance as well. Playing a Bundesliga side so close could give them confidence for the rest of the fight of Bundesliga season. So they hope to stay up. <sighs> right, with next two games... We're going to have to talk about things I don't want to talk about and that weren't great. But I promise to do them for you, the listener. I'm going to work through this just for you. That's how lucky you are. Freiburg 2 St. Pauli 1 after extra time. Oh, how close they were. How close St. Pauli were to another cup upset. Now, to be honest, St. Pauli hadn't played particularly well through most of this game, neither had Freiburg, it was a fairly sort of underwhelming affair, but one critical mistake from Freiburg in the 42nd minute would allow Lucas Dashner to give St Pauli the lead, to be honest, before that and after that, let's face it, it felt like more of the same problems for St Pauli, their inability to convert chances, whilst being able to create them has been a major problem for women's fight Bundesliga so far this season it felt like it was going to be the same problem here Freiburg did start to push more in the second half they were definitely the better side but again they weren't particularly convincing and as time ticks on the more and more it felt like eh, maybe maybe there could actually be something happen here you know it's the hope that kills you more than anything else 
Freiburg probably should have had a penalty like in the 85th minute. I didn't write down the exact timestamp for it, but I was convinced that a penalty was going to be given. Of course, no VAR at this stage of the DFB Pacal. So I said Paolo were probably very lucky to get away without a penalty. I believe if it had been in the Bundesliga or Svite Bundesliga, VAR would have in fact given the penalty. Freiburg wouldn't need it in the end row. 93rd minute, Matthias Ginter equalised for Freiburg. With the same trademark terrible defender that we've become a bit too accustomed to from St. Pauli in the Svita Bundesliga this season. And to be honest, when a team scores in the 93rd minute to wrestle a game into extra time, it feels like that game's only going to go one way after that. St. Pauli were very close to taking the game to penalties despite... More Freiburg pressure. They were definitely the better of the two sides in extra time. But in the 119th minute, even more bad defending from St. Pauli would allow Mikhail Gregovic to get the winner for Freiburg. So that sucked. Uh, even for the neutral, because, you know, everyone loves an upset. Even if we all love Freiburg, and we do all love Freiburg, we still love Freiburg. We still love Christian Strike, even if he knocked out St. Pauli, which is not a nice thing to do. However, Freiburg are through to the next round, St. Pauli. We got to see more of the problems that are played from Inverse Bundesliga this season. A lot to work on heading into the unfortunate winter break. We're going to be having in a couple of weeks' time. Paderborn 2, Werder Bremen 2, Paderborn win on penalties. Now, this is the game I was referring to earlier when I said there's another game that could be considered an upset that I don't consider an upset because of the circumstances of how the team won. And it's this one, Svita Bundesliga side Paderborn, second in the Svita, doing really well so far this season, knocking out Ole Werner's Werder Bremen, who of course made a very good return to life in the Bundesliga. But fundamentally, Paderborn did not deserve to win this, and they shouldn't have won this. They did take a 2-0 lead in the first half, Felix Platter and Sir Lord Conter getting the two goals. But Werder with a better side of the second half, Leonardo Bittencourt and Mitchell Weiser scoring goals for them to take the game into extra time. And that's where the controversy happened because Niklas Fulkrug scored from a corner to make it 3-2 Werder Bremen. The comeback is complete. Werder can go through to the next round and who knows with how they're playing, really challenged for the DFB Pakal, except... The referee went over to talk to the linesman, no VAR in the DFB Pakal, and they decided to overrule their original judgment and ask for a second corner to be played. The reason they asked for a second corner to be played was that they believed play should have been stopped before the corner was taken for a foul from a Werder player on a Paderborn player. And if you want to know who the Paderborn player was, yeah, you're going to have to look it up because I forgot to write it down. So, I I believe that their reasoning was that, you know, he goes down with a head injury and at that point the play needs to be stopped and before the corner was taken and then restarted once the head injury has been dealt with. Here's the problem with that. He clearly dives and fakes a head injury. It's probably a good thing that I can't remember who it is because <laughs> that player would be very unhappy with that accusation. But also, it is absolutely the truth. He faked a head injury. It cannot be stressed enough that a Paderborn player faked a head injury. And, like, the commentator on the 
German football streamers going, yeah, probably the correct decision. He's definitely saying that just to make sure he's not disciplined by his bosses because it was so clear. And full disclosure, of course, I've said a lot of things that are very pro Werder Bremen in the past on this podcast, but I am also a big fan of Paderborn and what Lucas Kwasniok is doing there. I also like how he's got a baseball cap because after Baumgart, he feels like every Paderborn manager has to have a signature piece of headwear. So that's great. I Someone pointed out the similarities between the two on Twitter. During this game, I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. How have I not noticed that before? But to go back to this moment, it just categorically was not a foul. There was nothing wrong from a Verder perspective. That goal should have been allowed to stand. And it's a real black mark on the entire game. And this is the thing, right? I feel bad for Paderborn fans because if I was a fan of them then this upset and what is meant to be a historic moment would have been completely ruined by that decision from the officials because this is the only thing that this game's going to be remembered for. People go, oh, yeah, do you remember when Paderborn shocked everyone and knocked out Werder Bremen? Yeah, I do remember it because of that stupid dive and the terrible decision from the referee that was the only reason as to why Paderborn went through because, let's get it clear, if that goal had stood, Verda go through, 100% they go through. It would have been 3-2. I don't see Paderborn coming back. The sort of emotional blow that would have had on them after being 2-0 up in the first half would have been just fatal for their chances of winning this game. So, it was such an awful turning point, and it's one that sort of ruins this match for me completely. It's... Not great for Paderborn fans to hear that. They've been playing exceptionally apart from that. Or at least I believe. Who knows? Maybe they do this all the time and I just don't, don't notice. I don't think they do. But that really does put a black mark on what was meant to be a great upset for Paderborn. Werder Bremen have every right to complain. But they'll be fine in the long term, I guess. And let's face it, Bayern have rediscovered their form. So there wasn't really much chance of winning the Pokal for Werder anyway. Let's talk about the other games very quickly then. Sandhausen 2, Karlsruhe 2, Sandhausen winning on penalties. If you want to know more about how this game went, then, you know, you go find a way to see more about this game. But to be honest, who cares? Steven Ambrosius putting it into his own net to give Sandhausen the lead. Alexander Zirov made it 2-0 in the 44th minute for Sandhausen before... Karlsruhe made a comeback, Marvin Wanicek scoring from the penalty spot in the 58th minute, Tim Breithaupt scoring in the 72nd minute, and you would think after that, with Karlsruhe being the better side as well based on this season, that they would go on to get the win, but despite all of their pressing and pushing, they did have the lion's share of chances and possession in this game, it went to a penalty shootout, and despite the fact that they'd scored a penalty in regular time, they weren't able to match Sandhausen in the shootout. It was 5-all after, you know, the standard five penalties had been taken. It went to sudden death, and the first person to miss was Marcel Franke for Karlsruhe. Sandhausen scored all eight of their penalties, how very German of them, and they went through to the third round. Union Berlin 2, Heidenheim 0. Yeah, this wasn't exactly an upset, Pukas with a really good volley to give Union Berlin the lead in the 7th minute. 
Sven Michel had about 27 million chances in this game to get a goal. He finally got rewarded in the 52nd minute. This was a very good performance and convincing win from Union Berlin, who continue their great start to the season. Jan Regensburg, nil. Fortuna Dusseldorf, three. In a game that was described by many people as... All right... Jan Regensburg almost certainly should have been able to do something, anything in this game. But unfortunately, they could never convert the chances that they gave themselves. And not helping that was the fact that Fortuna Dusseldorf had got off to a really fast start. Christopher Peterson scoring in the 5th minute. David Koronaki scoring in the 16th minute. And then Emmanuel Ihoa scoring in added time in the first half as well. Fortuna Dusseldorf had that fast start. They didn't do much after that fast start, but they were... Very clinical with their chances. They looked dangerous every time they did go forward. Even if Jan Regensburg went forward more often, Dusseldorf, the team, always seemed to pose a bigger threat. They deserved to go through. That's not a surprise. They won 3-0. Augsburg 2, Bayern Munich 5. Well, those kits for Bayern. Oh, lovely. They mark the 50th anniversary of the Munich Games and the... Opening of the Olympia Stadion as well. And they put in a five-star performance to mark the occasion. Not originally though. Obviously they went 1-0 down through Mads Pedersen in the ninth minute. Star of the game though for Bayern Munich. Eric Chupamoting. Turns out he's actually the answer to Lewandowski. He got two goals in this game. One in either half. He assisted uh, Joshua Kimmich's goal as well. The two other goals coming from two exceptional players for Bayern Munich as well, Jamal Musiala and Alfonso Davis. The only other goal for Augsburg, by the way, was a diet up Meccano own goal. To be honest, when Augsburg took the lead in the ninth minute, I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Why do Augsburg just have Bayern Munich's number? This really good run of form they've been on is going to continue and then Bayern, you know, remembered that they're Bayern and went, nah, it's not happening. And put in a really strong performance to win. They are most certainly back. Final game, Leipzig 4, Hamburg and nil. I wasn't going to be happy, no matter who had won this game. So, you'll be stunned to hear that I'm not thrilled that Leipzig went through. Yusuf Paulson getting two in the first half. Mohamed Simikan and Benjamin Henricks getting the other goals for Leipzig in a very convincing performance over HSV. So, that concludes the second round of the DFB Pakal. A round that didn't have as many upsets as we would normally want. One and a half, I guess. One that was a proper upset and another that had a black mark due to one of the worst refereeing decisions we've seen so far this season in Germany. So we're back to the Bundesliga, Sveriges Bundesliga and Vitaliga this weekend. I mentioned my games of the weekend on the last episode of the podcast, but I will briefly mention them again here. My Bundesliga game of the weekend, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Eintracht Frankfurt, Saturday 6.30 kickoff in Germany. Zweite Bundesliga, so knock off an hour if you're in the UK, sorry. Zweite Bundesliga, Darmstadt against Holstein Kiel. Top of the league against sixth. Of course, Darmstadt coming off that big win in the Pokal against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Friday, 6.30 kickoff. Event in the Dritte Liga, 18.60 against Wehen. A Saturday, 2 o'clock kickoff for a game between second and fourth in the league. So, that is all the time we have on this edition of Going Deutsch. Once a draw for the third round has been made, we'll talk about it on this podcast. But, as mentioned, we'll be back next week with all of the normal leagues we cover here. I hope to see you then, but for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward, and until we meet again, Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>